Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Too sweet. Suck yeah. Welcome to an all new episode of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond. It's Thursday. You know what that means. Time to talk about Brody Lee and a whole lot more. This is Corey Richmond joined by Jason Brooks. Jason, it's been a really long week. Day after Christmas, Jay called me uh, and told me that professional wrestler John Huber, Brody Lee, died. I was shocked. It kind of rocked my world. I'm 42 years old. Jason, I believe you're 41. It's one of those things that kind of just like changed the way I've felt since yesterday when AEW did one of the best tribute shows I've ever seen. And I'm going to let Jay, you know, take over here in a second on his thoughts, but we've had a lot of other wrestling guests in our lifetimes from, you know, Eddie Guerrero and a lot of, a lot of others, but the idea that he was an active performer, he's my age. I have a lot of friends who have, you know, small children, just like he did. He was having one of the best runs of his career. I don't know, just, just something about it just hit me in a way that I wasn't ready for. And I mean, you know, you've had other people who died, especially like Shad Gaspar, died in a tragic way, you know, saving his son in a heroic fashion. You had Hannah Kimura, who, you know, we really didn't know much about. Other people like Pat Patterson, who died, you know, in his later years, who had a fulfilling life. You had Danny Hodge, who was, you know, a wrestling legend, but, you know, died in his later, you know, later years but this one really hit diff- you know differently and jay i'm gonna let you take the floor here get some of your thoughts but you know this show is dedicated to his life and his legacy we'll, we'll talk a- about a lot of things this week including you know rest of the year take team of the year and some other stuff but we're going to start the show talking about the legacy of brody lee yeah i mean i don't even know where to start so i guess i'll start with my kind of fandom of him right so um I would watch the old FCW videos with him and uh, Bray Wyatt when I first started. Um, and I thought Luke Harper was just a dope character. He was just a really intriguing guy. He had a great look. Um, I also loved his in-ring style. I thought he was terrific in the ring. And so I thought he had the whole package. He had a great wrestling gimmick. And I also thought he was great in the ring. Um, and he seemed to be that kind of seemed to be him. He seemed to be like an eccentric character just in general. So I thought he was great um, when he won the IC title. I think it was in 20, was it 2015? Um, when he won the IC or 2014, when he won the IC title with Dolph Ziggler in that, that ladder match, it was a great match. Um, I was pumped because Vince loves the big guys. This is a big guy who's really good in the ring. And he never kind of got that full-on push. You know, they did the Bludgeon Brothers. You know, they did a couple of things, but it was always like kind of stop, stop and start pushes. Um, that, that's the theme of the WWE, but, but they did it with, with him. And I just always was waiting for him to get his chance, to get his moment. He finally did an AEW. I, I was very critical of some of the stuff that, that he did in terms of his uh, character, the Vince McMahon stuff and things like that. But I thought he kind of grew into it as it went on. He had one of the, you know, I think we might talk about moments of the year or feuds of the year. But when he came out and he busted Cody over the head with the belt, the old belt that was destroyed. I mean, that was one of the 
top, you know, 10 moments of wrestling of the year, maybe top five. I loved everything about it. So I thought, you know, he kind of started to, to figure himself out in terms of what this dark order was. Um, you know, he had some really good matches and yeah. And, and BTE, obviously everyone knows BTE that how great they were, how funny they were. Um, and they kind of became, I mean, they were heels on TV, but they were baby faces on BTE because they were so funny. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's, it's awful. Um, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about my mortality um, lately, been thinking about my mortality, uh, being 41, you know, um, and like half my life is kind of over. Um, but then seeing someone pass away who was, you know, Kevin Green passed away. He was a great football player at 58, very young. But like John Huber, Luke Harper, Brody Lee, he was my age. He was 41 years old, literally 41. He was a couple months younger than me. Um, and so seeing that makes you think of your own life and what are you doing with your life? And are you doing enough with your life and things like that? Then the idea that he has these young children, you know, he's from, you know, I lived in Rochester. Some of you guys may know or may not know, but I lived in Rochester for 10 years of my life. Um, and I'm here right now. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, at my mother-in-law's place. So I've been in Rochester for years and, and Brody Lee is from Rochester, born and raised, lives in Webster, New York, one of the Rochester suburbs. And so, you know, that struck home to me too. Um, then the idea that he had these young kids, I'm a school guidance counselor, so I deal with kids all the time who, who don't have fathers, who don't have mothers, who don't have both parents, whatever. And to know how devastating that is for these kids who are going to grow up without their dad. Um, it's really just a, an absolutely horrific, horrific tragedy. Uh, you know, we talk about tragedies and, 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 and sad stuff and whatever. This is a fucking tragedy. It's absolutely tragic. And the idea that he was so universally loved and praised for, by everybody in all these different companies shows you the kind of guy he is. Um, the fact that WWE active performers were putting over AEW and saying, watch this fucking show, watch this tribute show. It's important to watch it. That is, that's a, a big deal. Um, and they were willing to put their necks on the line, possibly get, you know, some type of backlash from Vince or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm getting emotional. Um, it's it just, it's just, it's awful. It's absolutely terrible. You know, these guys who live long lives, you know, they die. It, it, that I mean, I, I, it's sad, absolutely, right? But I feel like it's almost like the cycle of life. You live to your 85, 80, 85, 90, you pass away. It's like, okay, that sucks that you passed away, but like you've lived a good life, you know? But this guy hasn't gotten to live his life yet, his full life. He never got to live his full life. Never got to see his kids grow up and get married and have children of their own and be a granddad and, and retire and become a hall of famer, you know, or whatever. Um, he's, he's never going to have that, you know, and beyond the wrestling part where he was just kind of coming into his own as a character and as a, as a, as a promo, I mean, his promos with Cody were just fantastic. Um, 
And so it just it it's it's just ter- it's fucking terrible. It's so terrible. And um, you know, some of the guys have said some of the wrestlers, Xavier Woods has been out there uh in front, Big E's been out there in front, and I, I think those guys are so tremendous, by the way. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was Big E who said, I hope, or or one of those guys said, I hope that this forces people to think about their life differently and treat people fucking treat people better you know um and know that this life is short and be the best version of yourself that you can be and the best person you can be and like that's what we're doing here so i i think you know this had a lot of people hard for a lot of reasons um and it's it's just it's very very sad um and um obviously the best to Brody lee's family to john huber's family to his wife and his kids. And I just, I can't imagine his wife and what she's going through right now. And, and that at the end, the, the tribute show at the end, I know we're going to talk about it more, but then, you know, when she's crying at the, it's just, it's just, Oh God, it's, you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's brutal. It, it's absolutely, it's, it's brutal. And um, yeah. Right. I mean, one of the things that uh, in the tribute, and we'll get to it in a few moments, but John Moxley said, you know, rest, I'm going to paraphrase this, but, you know, wrestling is more than a sport. It's a community. And this is one of the things that we uh, saw with the outreach, like you said, with Xavier Woods and some people, you know, like uh, Dolph Ziggler says, you know, he never watches wrestling, but he was watching this show last night. And you had all this outpouring of emotion and, you know, Eric Rowan or Eric Redbeard or whatever his new name on the indies is. I don't think he has a job with AEW. He came in for this one show last night and, you know, the tributes that people have been putting up and all of this stuff where you rarely hear people, you know, it's like a thing where they says, you know, people never say anything bad about somebody when they die. You know, you always hear the best, but this is one of those people where you honestly, from everything you're hearing and reading, no one has a bad word to say about this guy. And, one of the uh, referees, uh, Rensburg, you saw him just basically break down and crying. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was. Basically, if there was a Hall of Fame, not for wrestlers, but for dads, he'd be on, you know, that Mount Rushmore. And, you know, and I think, like, that's some of the stuff that just got me more than anything else. With Like I was saying before, like, a lot of my friends who I respect are, you know, all of, like, around my age, your age. And I know at some point, you know, I'm, you know, you, I'm sure, would like to be a dad who have, you know, young kids and you hear that type of stuff and you're just like, what would happen if, you know, something tragic like that happened and, you know, what, what would they, you know, that, that woman would have to go through it having now having to take care of two young kids, for, you know, the rest of their lives with all by herself. You know, you hear about so many people in this country who, you know, don't grow up without a dad or grow up with one parent. I mean, I'm not trying to get, you know, go on a soapbox by any here, but, you know, you just sit there and you just, the stuff that Tony Khan is doing for this family. And I'm sure that Tony Khan's not the perfect person by any stretch, but the stuff that you're hearing that, you know, given a contract to uh, his son and all the stuff that they're doing is just like, you're seeing the good side of the wrestling industry when they've heard so many things in the past of all the cutthroat things that have happened. This is just a good moment for, you know, for the wrestling industry, people coming together for this guy who apparently was, you know, the best of the wrestling industry, John Huber, who, you know, I never met, you know, personally, but I saw him wrestle live a couple of times, of course, you know, for the last decade. 
saw him wrestle for WWE, for AW, you know, saw a couple of, you know, clips on YouTube of him wrestling in other uh, independent promotions. But the guy, you know, you finally in the last six months, you saw his personality come out. The stuff that he was doing, like you said, in the last six months on BT, BTE, basically gave new life to that program. And you will talk about on further episodes what they do with the Dark Order in the future, if they, you know, Hangman Page becomes a new face of that, or where that goes from here. But his legacy will go on, and we'll see where, where you know, this goes. But Jay, you know, if you want to get into a few moments on the actual, you know, tribute show. What you, yeah, I mean... It was heartbreaking seeing that seeing the, his kid, you know, I mean, it was heartbreaking. Um, you know, you can say what you want about AEW and I've been extremely critical of AEW, but part of the reason why I've been critical of them is I feel like, you know, I'm hard on a first round draft pick that green Bay drafts, right? Because Rashawn Gary, he's got all the potential in the world. He needs to do better. He, he's been good, but how do, can we get him go from good to great? And I think AEW has been like that. AEW has been really, really good. But I've always said going from good to great would be the kind of thing. So I've been critical of AEW for a long time, right? What they did last night was tremendous. Obviously, you know, they, they did a little bit of storyline development, but it really wasn't about storylines. Um, they did do a good job of telling you, letting you know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. But the fact that they said, we're going to stop, we're going to stop everything we're doing. We're going to halt everything we're doing. Um, now, NXT didn't have a barn burner of a show either. So I think that, you know, but they, they said, we're going to just focus on um, dedicating this show to this man uh, who meant so much to so many people. Um, I, I think it was, I think it was incredible that they, they decided to do that. I thought the show itself was, was good. That was a good show. Uh, the tributes were good. Um, you know, the guys talking was great. Um, I, I personally, I always like to hear the guys talking more than seeing like matches and stuff. I think that's, that's cool too. But I, I like to, I always like to hear the guys talk that, but that's more me. Um, I thought the show was, was very, very good. Um, I thought the end there were putting the boots, um, you know, uh, in the ring, um, to kind of close the show. I thought it was very, very classy, a very good way to do it. Um, and I, I think they did a tremendous, tremendous job. Um, you got to put Tony Khan over. Um, you know, I, I think this comes down to he's a businessman, but he's also a really big wrestling fan. And he cares about many of these guys. He looks up to, I think, a lot of these wrestlers too, right? And so um, I, I, that's what, I, that was a big reason. I think one of the big reasons why he did what he did. Um, I think everybody was tremendous. Um it was very, very emotional for everybody involved. I think you really, really felt that throughout the night. Um, and I love that dark order. They were in every match. It was, it was just, they tried to make it as feel good of a show as possible. Even with the MJF stuff where I was like, Ooh, where are they going here? Uh, and then he hit him with the, the, the kendo stick or whatever. It was great. You know, um, and we'll, we'll see down the line with Brody, Brody Lee Jr. And how, how much in the wrestling he is and, 15 years, see if he still wants to do this or not, but um, it was a great gesture. And here's the thing. Tony Khan is a millionaire, right? If he says he's going to do something and take care of someone's family, I totally believe he's going to. Um, and I think that a lot of other wrestlers will take care of 
of Brody Lee's family. So I think financially, things like that, I, I hope that they won't struggle to pay the bills moving forward. You know, you hope that that won't be a problem. Um, but the tribute show was tremendous. I think he, Brody Lee's got the number one shirt on pro wrestling tees and all that money is going to the family. So that's tremendous. Um, it also shows you like how good a lot of wrestling fans are, you know, how good when you get to the, the, the heart of somebody, um, you know, what they're, what they're able to do, what they're willing to do for others. And um, I think that that was shown with, with Brody Lee and the fans and, you know, how much they, they did all the stuff on Twitter. I mean, Twitter was just on fire last night with, with Brody Lee tribute. That's all I've been seeing. Um, I have two different Twitters and one of them is not even that much wrestling related, but you still, still saw so much stuff. So it was a great show. It was great to watch. Um, I'm not going to be critical of matches. Like I'm not, I'm not doing that today. Um, it, it was just, it was a, it was just a, a great thing to see and a great thing for people to come together and, and celebrate this wonderful man. Yeah. I mean, everything was done, was done right. I mean, like you said, you're not going to create, I mean, I, I thought that for some, yes, the company knew that he was sick and this was one of those, I think you mentioned this at the very beginning of the show that usually things come out all the time where someone's always ready to stooge and give someone a scoop. But, you know, Brody was sick for, you know, for a while and it never came out. And, you know, they went and allowed this family to go and figure out a way to deal with this on their own and be able to go and spend their last days with, with it, you know, with his family. And they did all of these things to go and make them feel like they were family, you know, and you just sit there and you, you saw these wrestlers deal with this the best way they, the best way they could, you know, I mean, you saw John Silver, you saw Anna Jay, you saw all these people, the minute their matches were over, they just broke down crying, you know, like everything that they had, they went and gave it in the ring for Brody Lee. And the minute it was over, they couldn't help themselves, you know? No, I agree. Um, I thought that um, everything they did was, was, you know what it was, Corey, it was classy. You know, it was a classy thing to do and a classy way to do the things that they did. And people are going to rip the WWE. That's fine. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, ambiguous about what they did or didn't do because there's no work there. Um, they did do put a little video out on WWE.com. They could have done more. Absolutely. Um, but I'm also, I ripped them for enough stuff. I'm not going to say, Oh, they should have done this or should have done that. or should have like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, but uh, they let the wrestlers, it sounds like kind of express themselves and what way they want them to express themselves. And I think that part was important. Um, but what AEW did was super, super classy. And I think one thing that they've shown with, you know, some of the stuff um, uh, through some of the political stuff that, that's going on, um, you know, through, and I actually, I take that back. I won't say political because Black Lives Matter to me is not political. It's about supporting Black people um, through, um, you know, the, the stuff that they're doing, they did with Brody. You know, they're a class organization. And I think Tony Khan really goes out of his way to try to try to do that. Um, and I really respect him and appreciate that he tries to do that. So um, 
just a, a, a really, really great tribute show. And I, I hope fans were able to see it and, and, and think about it and, and get their emotions out. I think it's always important um, as a counselor, I say this, you know, to my students, get those emotions out there, you know, um, cry, whatever, right. Get, get all that stuff, get all that stuff out there. Um, yeah. The other thing I would go back and say for people is, so the masked man, David Shoemaker, uh, writer for the ringer, um, he had a really good article, um, about, uh, Brody Lee and uh, about his passing. So he does this every time, uh, I, I, it's usually him who writes it. Um, he used to write this column about wrestlers who passed away. That's how he kind of got his start. Um, and it was a really good article. Would we'll definitely get, you know, encourage everyone to read it. I, I did put on a, a wrestling life uh, page for everyone. Um, I'll, put, so I'll put it in the link for the, on the show. Okay, absolutely. So he, he talked about, you know, his coming up and, and that sort of stuff. So a lot of it was about him coming up and, and really kind of, you know, coming on his own and, and things like that. Um, but really the idea that you talk, talk about wrestling and, you know, kayfabe and stuff like that. Um, when you see stuff like this happen and people, wrestlers pass away, it just makes it feel that much more real. You know, wrestling kind of can be an escape, like reality TV, like the Sopranos, like whatever, right? Um, and, you know, things like this happen and it just becomes, you know, all the more real. Um, and so I would go, encourage everyone to go to check the article out. And in the article, he does talk about kind of himself and He's kind of close to Corey and I's age, and he talks about how that makes him kind of look at his own mortality too. Um, the other thing I wanted to know is, um, I know there was some controversy with him have, not having COVID, whatever. I don't want to get into all that because that's, that's for someone else to talk about. But the one thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that AW knew he was pretty sick for a while. Right. And, you know, that didn't get out. Nobody knew it. I thought I think we talked about the, the, we he had a, like a knee injury or something right or a leg injury, and they might have put that out. Story about that a couple of places that said that there was a rumor that he might have had an injury, but no one was able to officially get like a secondary source so for, for that. Yeah, so I mean he was you know in rough shape. It sounded like for like the last month they knew that um, this possibly wasn't going to go well for him. And so the fact that AW also kept all this stuff under wraps and none of it came out, uh, nobody knew uh, anything. We didn't know anything. There was, an, I read rumor pages every day, like you do, I'm sure. We didn't, the dirt sheets, they're called, like we didn't know anything. And I'm sure Dave Meltzer knew, you know, I'm sure some, some people, somebody knew. Yeah, uh, he, I'm sorry, Jeff, uh, Dave Meltzer actually, he found out, they, they were actually, uh, doing an interview with uh, Jim Ross on the passing of Danny Hodge. And right after the interview was over, they found out. And basically Dave was like, had no, he had heard, you know, that the week before at the tapings, it, the whole thing has come out where they did uh, with Brody Jr., you know, basically doing the thing with beating uh, Kenny Omega for, you know, the title and stuff. He had heard about that and some of the things where Brody Jr. went to the Jags game with Jim Ross, but he didn't know, that he was actually how sick he actually was. And it came up. Uh, so, so, so yeah, so he, so he didn't know, but so, you know, the fact they kept all this under wraps to so many people, I think also shows you um, the type of people AEW are, 
right? Um, and that it's not a, a company of stooges and this and that. So I just give them all the more credit, um, you know, for, for keeping us under wraps um, and, and keeping, you know, having that privacy for the family to, to grieve and to kind of go through this process, um, um, you know, without the public eye, you know? And now you see it with his wife. I, I, she's her grief is just spilling out, right? Her grief is just spilling out on on Instagram and and posting stuff. And 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 I hope people are not critical of her and and this because this is the grieving process for people who may have may not have had people pass away. Everybody grieves in their own way, and I think this is kind of her way of doing it to a certain extent, right? And so I, I just wish the best for the family, and I hope that. Um, they are all okay, and those boys are are okay, um, you know. And yeah, I I just hope everybody ends up being okay from this because this is gonna be for the family. Um, it's gonna be a very very long road for them um, to to get well, but hopefully in time they will. Last thing I would say on this um, is that the I guess the thing that makes this not okay, but and when you brought up for a second how you felt like for half a second a little uncomfortable with, you know, the MJF thing and then how it got resolved was the end of the night with Brody Jr., there was a smile on his face. And for an eight-year-old kid who for a long time is going to be, you know, thinking about, you know, how he's not going to have a father and his other child, Nolan, who, you know, is too young to truly understand what some of the stuff that was mostly going on, that moment of, you know, being able to smile and one of the hardest weeks of his life I'm okay with you know all the stuff they did and I'll be honest I cried like a baby multiple times while watching that show last night with the 10 bell salute that tribute video at the end you know with um I mean I guess the moment where I had a few moments where it was like just a uh, smile was during the hangman and the uh Reynolds dark order thing when they did the stuff from BT with the with the papers, I actually allowed myself to, you know, to have a laugh and a smile. I mean, it was a great two hours for me, but it was a rough two hours, you know. But uh, I just, I guess, the last thing I'll say on it, it was AW for two hours made okay. You know, a lot of times we said over the since we've come back, you're ashamed at times to be a wrestling fan and some of the stupid stuff that happens. And it's been very uncomfortable for a lot of people that we've spoken to over the last, you know, ten months with COVID to watch with no crowd and everything else. But last night as a wrestling fan, maybe it was because of the fact that just in the moment, I was proud to be a wrestling fan with the way that the WWE, AW and all the wrestlers had treated this sensitive moment with respect and treated this man who gave everything he had to his family and wrestling and treat, you know, they treated him with respect and they treated wrestling with respect. And they treated his death with respect. Yep. So on a, on a little bit higher note, uh, I guess, Two things. One, you know, you could follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram at WorkshootPod. Um, last week, we went and spoke about the uh, female wrestler of the year. Uh, this this week, uh, talk about the uh, the male wrestler of the year. I think we have a couple of uh, interesting choices, Jay. Um, Drew McIntyre, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, I would say, were the uh, three of the bigger names. Adam Cole, I guess, um, Keith Lee, and Kenny Omega. Of those names, who would you say was the uh, the break? I think for, for me and you, we both said John Moxley, our uh, 
Facebook group, Wrestling Life, uh, overwhelmingly said Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, I mean, I, I think, and I get mad, I, you know, I was going to say no doubt it was uh, Moxley, but, you know, I'm going to give McIntyre credit. You know, uh, he did this during the COVID period in WWE when they were trying to figure stuff out. Raw was pretty unwatchable at times. And he was kind of the one shining light that made that show watchable. Um, excuse me. My only criticism of him was that I feel like he was, I just, I don't, I don't love him as a baby face. I think that's, that's my, my problem with him. He's like a little corny. Like he's a little corny. He's, he's just not my, I'm doing this for the fans. And if not for the, like the kind of Hulk Hogan, I, I don't love the Hulk Hogan baby face stuff. Um, and so that stuff kind of, you know, wears on me, but um, he had some tremendous matches. He had good matches with Orton. His match with Rollins was one of the best matches of the year. He had a really good match with Lashley too. His match against Reigns at Survivor Series was great. So he wrestled really, really great matches. And I think the cool thing is that we know what he is in the ring, right? He's a top level worker. And in fact, he was given this, these reigns that he was a champion. So it's like, well, we can't have him wrestle 10 minute squash matches. He's got to go out there and perform. He was given that ability. So, um, and he had to wrestle high quality matches, right? He was in the main event of all these shows. So he did a great job, but I just think Moxley was just unbelievable. You know, um, I don't think some of the feuds he was given materials with, you know, particularly the MJF feud was particularly great, but I thought he, you know, did a great job with that. Even the, the Jack Swagger um, uh, feud, I thought he um, was great with that feud as well. Um, and even though, you know, they only had the one match, he made it believable, right? He made it believable. His promo work was just – him and Reigns were the, were the two best, right? So, um, yeah, I certainly would say Moxley was, was the guy for me for the year, but uh, McIntyre was certainly certainly up there. And, and what you just said there was the, the reason why I would pick Moxley over McIntyre. That, that key word there. Because I think we've, we've spoken about multiple times. There's two parts of professional wrestling. There's in-ring and then there's the promo. And the promo ability of John Moxley this year, well, since, since leaving WWE and joining AEW, his promos, they're usually under two minutes. They're not these long droning promos. All of his promos got you into wanting to see these matches, M matches against Brody Lee, matches against Eddie Kingston, matches against Lance Archer. I mean, maybe Lance Archer stuff wasn't as good, but his stuff against, you know, uh, Kenny Omega, his stuff, you know, against uh, Jericho, all of that stuff worked. Even if it wasn't, mm -hmm. even if some of the stuff when it came to the in-ring may have not delivered, you wanted to see that stuff because of his promo work. Absolutely. And that's why he gets the edge. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this, Corey. The one thing that I'm gonna give McIntyre is he's given a kind of a shitty template to work with in sure. terms of in terms of Raw's three hours. He's got to fill time. He's got to have multiple segments on the show, um, and then you know the writing. We know the issues with Pritchard being there. Heyman was there. Vince is there. So there's also you know not that thing where Mo they're like Moxley. Here's two minutes. Go. Right. If McIntyre, they said two minutes go, we might be looking at a, a different kind of, of, of thing with the two of them in comparison. So uh, part of this is not McIntyre's fault. A big part of it is not his fault. 
Um, so if someone wants to say McIntyre, I think that that's cool too. Um, you know, as long as you're not saying like, you know, Leon Ruff, I, I think it's fine. Um, so either one of those guys, I, I think you could, you could have put in for sure. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the other guys who a lot of people have spoken about Kenny Omega, I think, you know, he's maybe the best wrestler in the world, but I think his promo ability didn't, you know, raise the thing. I mean, he was in the best tag team most likely of the year, but I think there was points of the year where he kind of felt lost. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think guys like Keith Lee first half of the year, he was dominant winning the the world title in um in nxt but when he came to the main roster he's kind of fallen off i mean it's hard to put anybody in roh mlw or you know uh, impact a lot of the companies that basically didn't do anything for a good portion of the year once COVID hit it's hard to you know judge them fairly i mean roman reigns if you wanted to go and put for you know a three-month period he might be the wrestler of the year because his character work has been so good since his return. And I know I'm just blurting out some stuff here, but Adam Cole, I think, is a close, maybe number three or number four. And Jericho, with his stuff on commentary and, you know, stuff he did helping put, you know, Orange Cassidy to that next level, puts him in there. But I think if you were saying... How many, oh boy, how many great, how many good, how many good matches has he had? Right. I think last year... He's, he's been, he's, he's had know, some, he's had some... guys, but yeah. He I, as a personality, he's he's always going to be there, but he's he's had some clunkers of matches, man. He's, right. you know, but but anyway, I mean, yeah. So the, a lot of those guys, you know, a lot of, and there's just so much talent. You know, we didn't talk about NXT UK. Well, you know, they were gone. They were gone for a long time and have now returned. So Walter could have been a guy, but obviously he hasn't been around for a while. So yeah, there's just so much talent. I'm looking forward to 2021. All these companies are now up and running. We've got a million shows next week, which is going to yep. be the, we'll I mean, probably the biggest, you know, whatever, the biggest day in wrestling that we're going to have maybe in the year, um, just starting off. So yeah, it's just so much stuff. I think, I think next year is going to look way, way different in terms of this. We're going to have a lot more candidates, I think too. So um, yeah, I, I think talking about this, this time next year, hopefully we will, we'll be fun. And I just want to bring up before we, we move on to tag team of the year, a guy who people in wrestling life brought up and I didn't bring in our, uh, our list was Seth Rollins. And now there's a couple of reasons why I didn't put Seth Rollins in our poll was because of the Rey Mysterio feud was such a disaster and just kept on droning on. He had some great matches, but it just, I think that feud was so bad and just a lot of the stuff that happened with the fiend and his character just fell apart and everything else. You could be so good inside the ring, but if other parts of your character just, he became a almost a kind of a joke of, of what he was at points. So as good as he was inside, and then also similar where Randy Orton was a great character. I just don't think of Randy Orton as wrestler of the year. You know, you may disagree on one of those two guys, but no, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think Rollins was our wrestler of the year last year or two years ago. I forget. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know what he's capable of. Um, I, I really liked the Monday night Messiah thing for a while. I think I was more into it than you were um, after the survivor series loss. Um, I thought his, his feud with Owens for WrestleMania was tremendous. I thought they did for the pandemic and all the stuff they had to go through. I thought they did great, great might work, the both of them. Um, and their match was, was, was pretty good too. Um, so I, yeah, I enjoyed the rounds. I thought the Ray Mysterio feud was pretty terrible. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It was just not engaging at all. Uh, he apparently tore a man's eye out. It, it just, it did, it just did nothing for me. Um, 
And I think if that feud would have been on SmackDown, and it was for for a little bit, um, I think if it would have started on SmackDown, maybe it would have been better. I, I don't know. I, I just the feud did nothing for me. Um, we did get Dominic Mysterio, who I think is is you know probably like a you know, rookie of the year if if, if we had that category, um, for sure. But I, I think the feud was was pretty bad. Um, I, I did not I did not in, enjoy it at all. Uh, who who was the other guy they mentioned? Uh, Orton. Orton, yeah. I mean, Orton's never gonna. He's just never gonna get that from me. He's just not. He's just not the in ring guy that these that these other these other people are. So um, he's just never gonna get that for me. But he is worth mentioning. He had he did have some. You know, he had the greatest match ever against Edge, and it was a very good match. Um, the the WrestleMania match was not, good. not not great, and he had a couple of good matches with McIntyre. So you could give him some love for wrestler of the year. I totally get that. I am a little biased. I'm just not a huge, I've never been a huge Orton in ring guy. I like, he's gotten a lot better on the mic, but I've just never been a huge in ring Orton guy. Um, so, but yeah, those two guys, I can see them definitely getting some love for sure. So let's uh, move on. Tag team of the year. Now we know this is a men's, you know, centric, you know, show because last week was women's, but there was a women's tag team that, stood out that we had to put in. I know that they were only a tag team for the first half of this year, but uh, the golden role models, Bailey and Sasha Banks, uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Page, which never actually got a name apparently, uh, FTR, who uh, were only, you know, in AEW for, you know, basically half a year, but they were so impactful. I think they deserve to be on this list. Uh, the Young Bucks, uh, the, street, the Street Profits, um, the North give a little impact, a little bit love. They were basically, you know, the Tiki champions in impact for a year. And then they decided that they wanted to bring in all the big names to get a little bit of love in, you know, at Slammiversary when they lost the titles shortly after to, uh, the machine guns and, you know, they've done stuff since, but, uh, those are a couple of big names. You know, you got Kira Hogan and Tasha Steele who, you know, are that I think could be a future great tag team. The women's division, who I think might actually win their women's tag team knockout titles, but we move on to another time. But uh, Jay, I, me and you on the poll both voted for Omega and Page. Uh, close second was FTR, followed by Young Bucks. So we can see a lot of people like the AEW tag team, which uh, I'm not surprised. Um, Street Pockets with third. What What are your thoughts on tag team yeah. I guess this year? Yeah, and you could say with Omega and Page, they weren't a tag team for like a lot of the year, right? So you could also say that that was a factor. I mean, they were tag team until what? September? Yeah, give or take, yeah. Yeah, give or take, September, um, August, September. So, um, and that's how impactful they were, right? I mean, that match against the Young Bucks was probably the match of the year. Um, And they had to, they wrestled the Lucha Brothers. They wrestled a bunch of really, really good, the best friends. They wrestled a bunch of really, really good tag teams. And had really, really great matches. Here's my thing. This is going to sound controversial. And I know people are going to rip me because everyone loves Young Bucks. Sometimes Young Bucks matches are formulaic. They have their spots. And that's fine. But sometimes it's too much spots. Sometimes not enough of other stuff. And I feel like, um, you know, they're a great tag team. Right? I guess they're the best tag team in the world, quote unquote. But... Sometimes their matches are a little bit formulaic. So um, I enjoyed Omega and Page more. 
yeah, I enjoy FTR more DIY back in the day. I enjoyed them more. So, um, yeah, I would say Omega and Page would be my tag team of the year. I agree. And like I said, we've got some nice young tag teams coming up. You know, the, the in future years, you know, we'll have Top Flight and some of these other teams, you know. And, you know, Imperium was really good. But, you know, some of these teams we just didn't see as much of. And it just comes. Yeah, and I, I think I think this is going to, I think, you know, the sample sample of, of what we had to work with was so limited. I mean, how many companies did we mention that we basically have no idea? You know, the foundation, Lethal and Gresham and Ring of Honor, right? Like, we'll see down the road what, you know, if we can put them in there, you know, the Briscoes, you know, whatever, right? So there's going to be other teams that come up, um, you know, especially next year. Not, not these companies seem to be mostly up and running. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Omega and Page absolutely were uh, the tag team of the year for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm going back one second, you know, because of, and this is something we've spoken about all year long, because of the pandemic, if we had a whole year, you know, a guy like a Pete Dunn could have been, you know, wrestler of the year, but because we lost him for a good portion of the year, because he wasn't able to come back, you know, he doesn't, we almost forget about how good of a first half he had. And then he, when he came back, he's looked really good since. So, you know, we, who knows what he could have done in that time frame, you know, and he was really good in the middle when he was with, you know, Matt Riddle before that. So, you know, but, you know, moving on, uh, let's talk a little feud of the year, which when we started to put it together, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier, but putting, you know, Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee, which led to, you know, war games in a circle versus elite, which uh, we thought was going to be a lot more than it turned out to be because of uh, COVID. That was something that, you know, we thought was going to be the big thing at the New Jersey shows. Uh, Bailey versus Sasha we thought was going to be the feud that was going to lead to WrestleMania, which might still happen, but, you know, that was actually one of the, maybe one of the moments of the year with the turn, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Moxley versus Jericho, which led to the, uh, the title chain, which with Jericho, uh, with Moxley winning the title, Randy Orton versus Edge. Uh, Jay, what would you say uh, was if one of those, or is there something else that, you know, you would say was moment of the year? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed Reigns against Uso. Um, so you could put that in there. Uh, the one thing about a feud like that is, you know, obviously Uso had no chance of winning. So you could also say that that was like maybe not. Um, Orton and Drew, you had you have to give. They had a feud that I think was actually pretty compelling for a few months there. Um, Orton did some great mic, mic work. And they had to really carry Raw as a show, because other than their segments, as I've said, Raw was pretty much unwatchable. So um, I, I would give some love to them. Uh, Mox and Jericho, uh, Mox and Kingston. I, I don't think those feuds hit the heights. Uh, Bailey and Sasha, I feel like they did a great build to it. Mm-hmm. And then once the feud happened, it didn't kind of hit. Uh, Inner Circle and Elite, I, I think, you know, they had a, a really, really big feud, but I don't, I wouldn't put that, I wouldn't put it there. Uh, so I, I guess, Orton and Drew, you know, um, with with Reigns and Uso being really, really, really close. Oh, you mean it, it's not Ray versus Rollins and the feud that would never end? And uh, thank God for a pregnancy, so it, we don't have to look at it anymore. Yeah, I, I absolutely not. I, I mean, that was the longest feud of the year. I think that was that was right after WrestleMania. And it only ended like last month. So that was the longest feud of the year. Um, 
Maybe well, maybe Orton was longer. I don't know. But but anyway, yeah, no, that's still be going on. We're not sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But definitely give it, definitely give it to Orton and Drew. I mean, we the real the real answer to this is not to be a downer. The feud of the year is wrestling versus COVID. How the wrestling world has had to go and figure out how to deal with COVID. WWE had a hard time at first, you know, figuring out what was the right way to deal with things with masking and testing. ROH dealt with it the best with, you know, taking as much time as needed, figuring out the right testing, especially the way they handled the final battle with some of their biggest matches, having to take them off the card. You know, they've handled this the best. Impact has, you know, done a good job with not having any fans at all, which most of the time they mostly would not have fans to begin with. Um, NXT has, you know, done as good as they can do. We're seeing, you know, more fans slowly with AEW. We've had the Thunderdome. With WWE, so I mean, in the new year, we'll figure out more as that goes along. But Jay, all kidding aside, I mean, you know, wrestling, wrestling versus COVID is really the the biggest thing that's happened all year. Yeah, and I also don't think I mean, absolutely, that that goes without saying, right? That's that that human human life against COVID has been the feud of the year. But um, yeah, I also don't think we had this. Oh my God, feud! I don't know that we really had that this year. Um, I think maybe Reigns against Uso had a tremendous impact, but you never thought Uso was going to win. So, you know, that you could say that it's hard to have a feud of the year when you think one, there's no way one of the opponents is going to win. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that we had that, oh my gosh, this this great, great feud. Um, maybe we'll get it next year. Uh, you know, a feud that I'm, I'm going to give a lot of love to that I think could have hit the heights was Owens and, uh, Owens and Reigns. I know it was only like a month, and they only had a couple matches. But What's going on, right? Oh. Man, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it's over. I think they might be going to Brown. I mean, I don't know, but um, I, I'm going to give that feud some love, right? And, and not a coincidence that Reigns had o- has only been there for like five months, and two of his feuds were definitely honorable mentions because the the Owens stuff that they did was really, 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 really good. Um, so, so, yeah, so uh, definitely a little love to that, even though the story wasn't long enough to, to put it as a feud of the year. And, and maybe the feud of next year, if done right, can be AEW versus Impact, but we'll see how long that lasts. And oh, I, I, there's, there's no way that'll be the feud of the year. <laughs> not, not, a ch- not, a, not, a, not a chance. I'm going to give um, some potential love to possibly a uh, uh, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns um, as a feud of the year next year, because I think they could have a hell of a feud. Hell of a few. All right. Uh, one of the last things we talk about here. Uh, biggest moment, I guess, you know, this is like a moment that made you say, oh, my God. You know, some of the ones that I thought of was uh, the return of Edge at the Rumble. Uh, Reigns' heel turn, which has been the biggest thing, basically, kind of the second half of the year. Sting's return on Dynamite because of reaction. Uh, Bailey's turn on uh, Sasha Banks. Those are the, the big four things that I thought of. I mean, you also, I guess you can add in the big surprises of Slammiversary, you know, with the good, good brothers, Eric Young, you know, that kind of basically brought back life into impact wrestling. I mean, you know, you could say it should have been, you know, because of what we spoke about the first half of the show, unfortunately it was, it wasn't in front of any people because it was right as, you know, the pandemic hit, it was supposed to happen in his hometown of Rochester, New York. And we never, we didn't even say this, but, you know, Brody Lee never had a chance to go and, have that big moment in front of a live crowd, but 
kind of, you know, the debut of uh, that night of the Exalted One and Matt Hardy. Those were, you know, kind of the biggest, uh, some of the biggest, you know, moments of the year. Um, it's 100% Edge. Uh, he's gone for nine years. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a bit gigantic superstar. There was no inkling he was going to come back. No thought he was going to come back. He's had been in the acting world for years. He was raising his family. He was gone. He was gone. And the fact that he came back at the Royal Rumble and the reactions from the crowd when we had them was just unbelievable. So um, to me, that was still um, the moment of the year, even though it was so long ago. And sometimes I think we do have recency bias, right? The last thing we see is the most impactful. Um, but I certainly think Edge returning at Royal Rumble was the was the moment of the moment of the year for me. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. I mean, one of the things I'm going to remember most this year was the uh, because I think it was done so well. And I know a lot of times we kill a lot of stuff that WWE does. But that barely turn on that SmackDown on Sasha, that just beating that Sasha took and the way she sold it on that SmackDown where it felt like it was like 15 minutes of just something you never see when it comes to female wrestling. I know we've seen seen you know things, uh, stuff since with some of the stuff like with Rhea and, you know, something we'll talk about in a few minutes, you know, coming up at the New Year's uh, Evil special on how good that promo was and we could see coming up with that. But, and we could say how they've screwed that up since, but that night when Bailey turned on Sasha, we knew it was coming at some point, but the way they did that, I was, that was just a moment that's going to stick with me all year. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, they had a great, they had a great turn. Yeah. It was a great, it was a great, total great turn. And the Hell in a Cell match was just in outrageous. So, you know, I mean, I, I didn't love all the in-between stuff that they did, but they certainly paid it off with their, with their Hell in a Cell match. Absolutely. Uh, so, Jay, I think we spoke about a lot of good things. I mean, is any, any other things you wanted to uh, dissect before we get into a couple of plugs and maybe one or two more things before we call it a day? No, I just, I just think this was a, the most interesting year in probably the history of pro wrestling because of COVID and, and everything that, 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 these companies had to go through, but I think these companies for the most part, WWE, I'm going to take their outbreaks and stuff. They, they didn't, they, they struggled <laughs> for a little bit. Um, but I give impact a lot of credit. I give, um, I give uh, AW a lot of credit. I give ring of honor, a ton of credit too. You know, they did, they, they took their time. They made sure there was testing um, and they made sure they could try to put on shows for the audience. Now, AW has a an advantage. Obviously, they own the Jaguars. And they did it, and they did it at Daly's place, right? So, you know, they had that they they had that built in advantage. But it was it you know these companies did as good of a job as they could possibly um, have done. So, I, I I give I give uh, I give them credit. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, this was a tough year all around in regards to dealing with COVID. We could say a lot of things on WWE, AEW, and all these companies got wrong, but and as we get to the end of the year and looking forward to 2021, I think we want to try to go and look at the positives on these, you know, couple of weeks, especially with the tragedy that the wrestling community just went through. 
Uh, you know, we'll be back in a moment to, you know, to uh, talk about one of the better, you know, hype videos we've seen recently with this Rhea Ripley match coming up next week. But uh, Jay, how about you let people know how they could uh, follow us and the rest of the uh, Life Group podcast? Yeah, so for you guys who don't know, we are the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Just type in Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. You'll find us. Uh, we're on Facebook and, and Twitter. Twitter, we're at Work Shoot Pod. And on Instagram, we're also at Work Shoot Pod. So you can find us there. In terms of the, the life groups um, started by the, the, the great Henry, Henry Maldonado. So we've got Dong City uh, Baseball. Uh, podcast on Mondays. We've got the Audible football podcast on Tuesdays. Ryan Fitzpatrick has COVID now. What a mess. Dong City, I'm sure, had a great show on Monday talking about you, Darvish, and and all those trades. The Padres, World Series. Uh, we got the step back talking about the NBA and, and basketball. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. Can we see one competitive NBA game this year for me to bet on? That'd be nice. Uh, on Thursday, obviously, you've got us, the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. And on Sunday, another baseball uh, podcast, you've got Total Bases. Very cool. And, uh, of course, as always, we have uh, our sister podcast, uh, Jay. I forget the name of it. Do you remember? You don't know Jackie. Very cool. And, uh, you know, to uplift your spirits, our comedy podcast with the, uh, the wonderful ladies, uh, Jackie Endy and Jackie Rachel and uh, – I'm on there to uh, put a little levity and to be made fun of. So uh, we fight. <laughs> the, resident, the resident punching bag. Yeah. And I, you know, we will continue to do uh, more episodes on there to uh, talk about all the, the things going on in the world and uh, another really thing to do. But um, uh, I was just going to say one more thing. I, I, I'm just going to interrupt you because I'm sure you're going to talk about it, but I'm just going to interrupt you anyway. Um, we're going to have another podcast. Um, we're pretty sure this week. Um, we didn't talk about, we had to honor the memory of Luke Harper, Brody Lee, John Huber, right? That was really, really important for us to do. Talk about the year in wrestling. Next week is the biggest week in wrestling that we've had since WrestleMania, I would say, right? So it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous week. And we're going to go into all that in detail on our next podcast. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Um, and we're going to talk about New Japan. Um, New Japan, AEW, NXT, uh, just some big show, Wrestle Kingdom, New Year's Dash, New Year's Evil, Phoenix and Omega, just a bunch of just awesome, awesome, awesome wrestling. So we're excited to preview that um, at some point this week. So don't think we forgot about what's going to happen next week. Anyway, we may even talk a little about MLW. You know, they've got that Big uh, middleweight uh, championship match. Oh, totally forgot. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, MLW. I mean, it's just, it's just gonna be so much. My wife is gonna be so annoyed at me. What are you doing watching wrestling? What are you doing now? What? It's just gonna be just. It's gonna be insane, and I'm very excited about it. But uh, Jay, so last topic of the week. Like I said, we're not gonna talk about uh, retribution and ricochet. You know, for the four hundred time. But, uh, <laughs> Or Keith, or Keith Lee getting a title shot or any of that stuff, which, you know, maybe you should win a couple of matches here and there before that happens. But um, let's let's get into something that you you told me to watch, because I'll be honest, I did not get a chance to watch NXT this week because I was emotionally drained from that tribute show. That's fair. Uh, but you did tell me to take a look at the Rhea Ripley, uh, Renee, 
or uh, Gonzalez. Raquel Gonzalez, yeah. That was her old name, I'm sorry. Um, that promo that they, promo package they did, I thought it was top-notch. It was, what, about 90 seconds, two minutes, just showing the history, which, of course, nobody knew about. And No, I had no idea. It's one of those things where you just sit there going, it's an interesting story that they would have, you know, we could have told on TV for the last couple of years. And uh, I mean, it's great to know one week before, but I'm not trying to criticize. It was a great promo package that WWE does this stuff. And you sit there going, all right, when they want to put something behind something, let's go. I mean, I, re I really wish they did this, you know, maybe a week or two before to just build this more and more, but they built this story over the last couple of weeks. And I really think that this is a match that I want to see now. And that was that, final push that just said this is a money matchup Rhea Ripley we may have not done great things with you post Wrestlemania and you know you know COVID may have you know said plans we had for you got a little derailed EO got really hot she's our champion but next year you may be on the main roster we're not sure what we're gonna do with you but this was a we still have you know hope for you yeah I thought I thought it was great I thought it was a good timing too for it they could have done it maybe like last week I didn't think they needed to do it at the very beginning. Um, I, I like the idea that these were the two biggest female athletes probably like out there. And they were just big hosses who wanted to beat the hell out of each other. Like I enjoyed that. That's what the feud was about, but then them giving us the, this context and moving forward at next year at AW, I do hope they look at some things that NXT does. Imagine if we, we got a promo package like this for the Young Bucks and FTR. I know they tried to do stuff with, you know, talk Tony Schiavone. What do you think about this feed? Oh, my God, these teams are great. Like, give us more background. Go into BTE. You know, like, do more, do more background stuff. Why is this feud so important? Why do these teams really want to beat each other? You know, all those sorts of things, right? Um, but the fact that Rhea, they did this with Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez taking the John Huber tribute show out, obviously that's that's something completely separate. Um, I thought as a promo package, you couldn't have done anything better than what uh, NXT did. I also really enjoyed the the the, the promo there with O'Reilly and, and Balor. Um, they have just loaded completely loaded up that show. But yeah, going to Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez, they have built that as just and that that's not for a title. It's just a match. Um, I think you see Raquel. I know we're going to preview next week, but I, I think you see, or maybe tomorrow. I think you see Raquel Gonzalez lose and Rhea Ripley go to the main roster, but that's something else. Um, just a tremendous, tremendous job. And um, I think WWE, I think AEW, Impact, all these companies should look at that video package and say, this is the type of stuff we need to be doing to promote matches. I agree. And uh it is funny the fact that it takes a moment just to go and show what a company can do when they actually are behind something. You know, we always complain at times that how little Vince McMahon and other, other people, you know, how much they care about certain things and don't care about other things. And when, you, when they care about an angle, they make something seem like it matters and it's the biggest thing. It took two minutes. I know, of course, editors go and they have to put the hard time and it takes hours finding the footage and making things make sense. But they went in that, you know, 90 minutes to two minutes, however long that promo package was, they made maybe the average person who didn't fully care about that angle. It was just like, 
all right, there's these two women who have been interviewing each other's matches. And you didn't truly understand the backstory of why, besides, you know, the two biggest women in the company, size-wise, would want to be like, this is my house. You understand now why they want to go and beat the crap out of There is this feud of the fact that of betrayal. You know, there's this idea of these people were friends, the only person I trusted, and now there's this betrayal. Like something, maybe the idea that Rhea and, uh, and Raquel aren't, you know, the best on the mic. You could disagree or agree on how good they are at this point in their career. But you were able to go and say, let's get these, let's show some footage. Maybe it takes more than one take. But from this video, they were able to tell a story in two minutes. And now you understand why there's this hatred and why yeah. in a week, these two women are going to put everything they have. It's not for a title. Maybe at some point the winner gets a shot at EO, but they want to tear each other apart. Yeah, I agree. And that's wrestling. I, I, and if Raquel Gonzalez wins, which I think she's going to, you have the ascent, right? You have the, now she's, now she can go for the title. She's beaten everybody, basically, and she can go for the title. I, I think it's super fascinating. Also glad to see Mercedes Martinez is not in some goofy mask and is back being an actual pro wrestler. Uh, last thing for me, beer of the week. Uh, went to Other Half. Other Half is a brewery. They have a – they're in Finger. They're here in uh, Rochester. They're also in D.C., and they started in Brooklyn, New York. Other Half, very well known for beer people. Uh, a triple uh, mosaic. And it is very, very good. It's 10.5%. Um, so it'll, it'll fuck you up. You have too many of these, uh, to be honest with you. But as a tremendous, tremendous beer, there's the can. So Triple Mosaic is the beer of the week. And I'll probably be having a beer tomorrow, too. But I mean, we'll, see what, we'll see what tomorrow brings. It'll get you drunk. <laughs> it'll get you drunk. Uh, happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, please enjoy your New Year's safely. Don't have a party with 50 people. Like... Corey and I went to this New Year's party years ago, and it was a party with uh, – Corey, you remember this party with um, Matt Matt Leach? Yeah. Whatever. That party was – it was incredible. Like, we don't need to get into details, but it was an incredible, incredible party. Like, it, that would have been a COVID bomb, right? <laughs> like, you couldn't do that party now. So, please, everyone, enjoy yourself. Be responsible. If you're going to do a gathering, do something like a small gathering – with very, very few people. Try to be responsible. Let's do the best we can with COVID. And hopefully by this time next year, we won't fucking be talking about COVID and we'll just be talking about celebrating the new year. But everyone, please be careful out there. And uh, just because she is, uh, she is in the chat, we will give a secondary plug. Jackie Andy, Jackie Rachel, check out the You Don't Know Jackie podcast every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. And she's right. A grudge match is always better with, with the storyline. So, uh, Jay, as always, the final word is yours. I think we're done here. See ya.